Good morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Joe. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Let's see, Jeff, I think you said that uh, Jim, Tom, and who's the third gentleman? Robert. Robert, Jim, and Tom are Zooming with us this morning. No telling where they are, but they're uh, they're joining us live stream. Guys, that is an option. Uh, if, if you are unable to attend in person, uh, you're just as welcome to join us by Zooming. Uh, we're on a campaign. Uh, men's Roundtable is, a, is an outreach group. And we challenged the men that, that were here 1st of January to invite five guys. Five guys. Five guys to join us. I know we have Hale, Kyle, and Kurt join us this morning in the room. Either either new or welcoming them back to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Guys, Phil and I were talking this morning. What do we do in the event that we do have some foul weather and, and we do have to cancel maybe at the last minute? Um, and and we, didn't, we didn't ask Jeff this, but we assume, Jeff, that if need be, you can do a text message on Wednesday night if we had to cancel in the text message that you normally get announcing that, that we're meeting on Thursday and or email. So if we're going to do that, uh, those two things are critical. If you would, when you sign in, two things that we ask. Ceasefire does have security uh, in the building, and we ask that you sign in uh, your name and give us a phone number and email so that if we need to get in touch with you, we can. Now, as somebody said this morning, if I give them my email or I give them my phone number, they're going to ask me to do something. Yes. No. Right? No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. No. That's not the way that that's not the way that works. This is an outreach group. We're trying to reach men in the area. So if you are new to this group, we also ask you, if you would in turn, invite somebody to come with you next week. We're trying to grow this. And the way we grow it is also through uh, deer camp, fish camp, and another activity or two we have during the week. Next week, two-gun tactical. Ricky's heading that up, uh, 6.30, I assume. 6.30, two-gun tactical. Uh, men's group will meet there, kind of a smaller group. Uh, you're welcome to join uh, with that. With and also, yeah, with, with meal, supper. with meal, just RSVP before you show up. Um, but also through deer camp and fish camp. I know you've heard me talk about that. Deer camp and fish camp are opportunities for you to go for a three-day weekend to do kind of an intensive with other guys, like-minded guys. Guys, I, th I think I mentioned last week, you know, we all kind of have business associates or friends that are kind of on the surface friends. Deer camp and fish camp are ways of getting below the surface, being accepted. When I saw out Thursday morning saying, welcome to Men's Roundtable, truly welcome. And it's a round table, although it's not quite round in here. Theoretically, it's a round table. No man is greater than any other. I welcome you to Men's Roundtable. Let me open for the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you so much for my brothers, for Phil, the leadership team, for Chris and Chris, Jeff, bringing us all together through technology and here. Chris providing the information, the handout each week, summarizing it and putting it together for us to work from. Lord, I thank you so much for the preparedness. I thank you for C Spire, for hosting us, providing our breakfast. 
I ask that you bless it to the nerves of our body. Mm -hmm. In your name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Have a song for you this morning uh, as we begin. Song is by Matthew West. Uh, the name of the song is Restored. That's what our whole series um, is about. Uh, all through the book of Isaiah, uh, there are passages promise uh, that God's going to bring restoration, renovation, uh, redemption uh, to his people. So this idea of restoration is uh, a major theme uh, throughout Isaiah, and it's certainly uh, a major offering to us even today. The song by Matthew West, uh, I want to just read, if you drop down just to the third uh, section there, um, just read the one uh, section just to highlight a little bit of the song. But I believe love can be restored. If we take a little less this time and give a little more, so hold on to me. I promise you we'll make it through this stronger than we've ever been before. Let's be the proof that love can be restored. I want to ask you this morning, even as the song plays, uh, to just prayerfully listen and ask God to show you um, what relationship, what aspect of your life would you like to see restored? Maybe a health issue, maybe a financial issue, maybe a relationship. What could be renovated, repaired, restored? May you hear the voice of God through Matthew West. So I got a story from a guy named Joe, and he wrote to me about his marriage. And unfortunately, it, it wasn't all pretty. Um, he was really quite candid and open and honest. So I was really intrigued by Joe's story. Cheryl and I got married uh, way back in 1980. Through the years, we started to drift apart a little bit uh, just because we kind of left God out of the picture. We started missing church and then not going to church at all and you know not getting involved in a devotional life prayer life anything and i uh, i ended up having an affair but uh through that i was in such turmoil i was in so torn um because i thought i was doing what i wanted to do but my spirit knew <laughs> that i didn't belong in there and I, I belonged home uh, finally, uh, uh, one weekend, it, it all came to a head. So he was home one day packing his suitcase, never to return. When I came home, I told her I was going to leave. And uh, <laughs> I was getting some stuff together. And of course, she was kind of helping me by, you know, throwing my stuff at me and <laughs> tearing it out of my closet drawers. And when he got a phone call, from an old friend that he used to have Bible study and coffee with. Hadn't heard from him in a long time. His friend didn't even know why he was calling. He just said he felt like he was supposed to call and check in. I got on the phone with, with Don, and uh, we talked, and he reminded me where I came from, who I was, and what I was doing. And the Spirit just moved me at that time, and it all made sense to me. And I said, what am I doing? 
And uh, Don and I together, I, I, I called the girl that's having an affair with, and I told her, I can't do this. I said, I'm going back to God, and I'm going back to my wife. And so Joe uh, really had a defining moment in the story of his life and the story of his marriage. And instead of uh, driving off with that suitcase, never coming home, he turned that car back around and he went back to his house. And he wrote to me, he said, you know, I expected when I pulled in the driveway to find all my things out in the front lawn. She was outside waiting for me. I got out of the van. I ran to her and she ran to me. And I can't even describe that moment to you, the feeling that I had. I knew I messed up, but I knew she was there for me. And, uh, and we decided to rebuild. And it was an easy road. It wasn't easy, but through God, we're restored. When we humble ourselves before God and before our spouse, that's when things can begin to patch up. So uh, this is Joe's song. It's called Restored. This house can't take another fight. But once again, our pride is the only one that's winning. And I wish that we could just rewind, turn the hands of time. Back to love's beginning There's plenty of blame to go around Too many tears have touched the ground I know it looks too far beyond repair But I believe love can be restored If we take a little less this time And give a little more So hold on to me and I promised you we'll make it through this stronger than we've ever been before. And let's be the proof that love can be restored. Yeah. Be the man of God that you're designed to be um, in your marriage. Treat your wife with respect and with, with a godly attitude. And things like that don't have to happen. If they did, uh, be a man of God and, and, and come back and face uh, the mistakes that you made and, and rebuild from that with God's help. Uh, you can't do it without Him. Uh, you can't. Cause I believe that love can be restored If we take a little less this time and give a little more So hold on to me and I promise you we'll make it through this stronger than we've ever been before. Oh, let's be the proof that love can be restored. By now we've learned enough to know we can't fix this on our own. So take my hand and say a prayer with me. Lord, bring what's broken back to life. Help this husband love his wife. It's only you save this family but I believe love can be restored there's restoration you can be restored and God is awesome <laughs> so hold on to me and I promise you we're gonna make it through this stronger than we've ever been before oh we'll be the proof that love can be restored yeah yeah Baby, don't give up on me. Oh, baby, don't give up on me. Because yeah. I believe, yes, I believe that we can be restored. 
Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Guys, I'm, I'm standing here with you this morning, having uh, listened to Joe's testimony and Matthew West's song. And um, I'm reminded of a guy who stood up years ago and he was sitting right over where you are, Marty, uh, in that area. And it was during a Q&A time, and he stood up and he asked, he said, now look, I'm a little confused. Is this a Bible study, a counseling session, or a coaching session? And I said, yes. And I definitely feel that this morning because I, I want to break out into a counseling session. Um, I want to coach you up. Uh, but most importantly, I want you to fall in love with Jesus and committed to his word right out of Isaiah. As I watched that video this morning, it's hard for me not to be emotional uh, about it because um, I've got a hundred people going through my Rolodex. Now again, Ron's always on me on mentioning things that are out of date. I know some of you don't know what a Rolodex is, <laughs> but in my crazy head, I've got all these pictures and um, names going through my head of guys like you and in this room uh, that have seen their marriages restored and are praying that they will be restored and have seen uh, the, the uh, rubble of a marriage fall, uh, falling apart. I feel that this morning. I want you to know that. I want you to feel that. God restores. That's why we're here. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The power of connection is what I would call this uh, right here if I was renaming it, uh, but we just call it the power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Isaiah 58, 12, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. Make the marriage livable again. Make the family livable again. Make the community livable again. Make your workplace a better place. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached, relationship or this strong connection. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth, but biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. And guys, I cannot, I don't know how to say that stronger. Uh, put it on a, on a billboard, write it in your journal, meditate on that. I mean, it's so important. I, I love the word of God and I love um, my seminary um, uh, education. There was a time when I could read Hebrew and read Greek 
Right now, I couldn't even tell you the Greek or Hebrew alphabet. You know, I've long since forgotten all that. But what trumps all of the information in this book um, is the intimate connection that I feel with God because of who he is and what he's done and what this book reports. It's about a relationship, not about information. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. So I have three questions for you. Pick up your pen, let's go to work. But before we dive into the three, I want you to um, just turn to your partner and I want you to share um, what you would like to see restored. Um, I don't have any doubts that every man in this room would like to have a relationship restored, um, even your health um, restored, um, past circumstances that need to be renovated and rebuilt. Um, so I invite you into a little vulnerability this morning. Turn to your partner and share what's on your heart this morning relative to restoration. enough uh, interaction. I don't want you to get too attached. You wind up going home in the wrong car. <laughs> so uh, three questions um, just to kind of <clears throat> get our hearts uh, better prepared for even digging into Isaiah. First question I would ask you is what role does your feelings or emotions play in your ability to live your life Christ-like? What role does your feelings or emotions play in that? And let me help you just a little bit and prime the pump. You can uh, write, um, if you're ADD, then uh, you're gifted. You can listen to me and write at the same time. Um, just to prime the pump there, um, I would ask yourself if that 
question just seems to be um, a blank slate and you just come up on your screen in your head, just completely blank. I'd ask yourself, how do I deal with anger? How does anger work? Because anger is, is a lot of times more telling of how immature you are than how mature you are. Because anger is, is kind of the first strong emotion that we start um, feeling. You ever seen an angry two-year-old? Dead. You know, <clears throat> it's like you got to throw a boot in that room before you go in because that that sucker will bite you. <clears throat> but, you know, you kind of expect it with a two year old. I mean, that's that's kind of normal. It comes with the territory. But have you ever seen that with a 30 year old, a 40 year old, a 50 year old? Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the idea of dealing with anger a lot of times is the idea of dealing with your trauma because the reactivity that happens uh, in relationship and dysfunctional families and broken families is uh, oftentimes uh, characterized by lots of anger in reactivity. Um, and it's like part of healing is to begin to deal with anger. Then, then, then secondly, I would just ask yourself this on the way to maturity and Christ-likeness. How's your empathy? Dude, when you are broken and you're really self-absorbed, Trying to have empathy for somebody else is just about impossible. And healthy people can actually feel the other person, understand the brokenness of the other person, even while you're trying um, to get that which you desire in the relationship. So how's your empathy doing? And then, and then thirdly, <clears throat> all through Isaiah that we'll look at in the coming weeks is this idea of joy. How's your joy? I sat with somebody in my office this week and I was just curious a lot of, because this was, this session was floating around in my head. And I said, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I asked the person sitting across from me, I said, you know, do you feel joy? you experience joy? I know this person loves the Lord, uh, very responsible. And uh, I was quite taken back when, when the person said to me, rarely do I feel joy. Guys, that is the primary emotion that's an indicator that you're a Jesus follower. And, it, and if you are living your life joyless, I would say two things. I would say Either you're not a Christ follower, may even be a good churchgoer, but you're not a Christ follower. And then secondly, there may truly be so much trauma and loss and hurt in your life that it's like a callus over your heart to where you cannot feel the joy that's there. And that callus has got to be removed. And I think this was that person's case. They know all the right answers up here, 
But from the neck down, there was no joy. And this person has a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma. You've got to work through that. So anger, empathy, joy, do an assessment. Second question, where do you feel safe talking about your fears and failures? <clears throat> where do you feel safe? And you know what I'm going to say to that? Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel. Exactly. Uh, come to deer camp. Come to fish camp. That's what we do. We don't do a lot of things well, but I think we, we're pretty good at creating environment of safety for men to be real. And that's what makes that such a love of my life. Uh, because I get to see men uh, have a safe place to talk about their fears and failures. Uh, you got to have that. Um, the way the Bible has designed our faith is it's a confessional faith um, to get it out of Bible language. It's a storytelling faith. God's given us uh, stories to tell in our own lives. I mean, it is amazing to me, even reading through the book of Isaiah. I mean, you know, I mean, God could have probably said everything he said in Isaiah, you know, in a two-page manuscript. But he creates this incredible dynamic drama, Assyrians <clears throat> and Babylonians and all kinds of drama and story and story and story, 66 chapters of dynamic story in order to capture our hearts because information doesn't capture our hearts the way story does. When was the last time you told your story? And then thirdly, what do you bring to your relationships and environments? Now, what I mean by that is um, um, imagine for a minute, you know, you pull in the driveway <clears throat> and you get out of your car and you're walking into the house. And everybody in that house sees you coming. And what do they feel? Oh, crap. He's home. You know, hide the children. You know, lock the cat up. Cat don't even like it. Cats don't like anybody. So. You know, it's like, what kind of energy do you bring into your relationships? And I, and I, I would challenge you. Don't answer that on your own. Nip. You know, take a big risk and ask, what's it like to be in a room with me? What's it like when I come home in the evening? What's it like when you see me? I once had a gal in my office and said, she said and did a 20 minute monologue with her husband sitting next to her on the love seat, telling what it's like for her when she comes home. She actually would circle the block in her minivan uh, before she'd pull in the driveway just to see if he was home and that's why she would go by the house is that if he was home, she had to drive another block just to kind of get prepared for all the craziness. Energy. What do you bring to the table? So <clears throat> let's dive in to Isaiah. God has given us the masterpiece of the Old Testament. Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet, 
Jay Sidlow Baxter um, is a teaching mentor of mine. He wrote a, uh, a comprehensive uh, study um, book, explore the book of the Bible that I have and I, and I uh, reference a lot. Um, he was uh, taught at Spurgeon's uh, Seminary. Um, when I met him years ago, uh, he was an older gentleman. And this is what he says about um, Isaiah. What Beethoven is in the realm of music. What Shakespeare is in the realm of literature. What Spurgeon was among the Victorian preachers, that is Isaiah among the prophets. I hope that through this study, as we get into Isaiah, that you'll take the time to read it. Um, it's 66 chapters, about a four hour read. Um, probably not gonna read it in one setting, uh, but read through it. And again, I would encourage you to read it at least the first time um, in the message so you really understand what's going on or read it in the New Living Translation. Um, it's more of a modern English and then get your study Bible. Uh, and read it, but it's so full of of um, of drama. And just to give you just a little bit of a historical context, um, let me show you this map. Um, all all through um, the um, uh, period of um, uh, Isaiah, you see in the bottom there is Judah. And then in the top there is um, is Israel. So here's the ten tribes. Uh, I mean, the ten tribes of Israel, and then and then Judah makes up Judah and Benjamin. And this was the southern kingdom, um, and the northern kingdom had gone so far uh, into paganism and apostate and all that. It's like Judah was was the remnant. Jerusalem was the capital of Judah, and. Um, did I send you that second map, Jeff? Is that the only one? Okay, I forgot to send you the second one. Um, Assyria uh, and Babylon is over in this area, and, and I'll show you this in, in coming weeks, but Assyria uh, was the land mass and the, and the uh, people group over here. Babylon uh, was right under uh, Assyria. And what happens is Assyria, God uses Assyria to bring uh, judgment upon the people of Israel and Judah. And then after Assyria takes over Judah, not long after, also recorded in the book of uh, Isaiah, Babylon captures Assyria. And it's, and it's like, you know, that which we don't take care of in our lives can be our Assyria or our Babylon. If you don't deal with health issues, if you don't deal with uh, issues in your marriage, if you don't deal with issues that are around you, um, it'll be like Assyria. It'll be like Babylon. You'll be overrun. But the idea of um, Isaiah is this idea that all through the book, God keeps... Um, acknowledging his grace and his glory even in the midst of continuing to warn the people if they don't turn from their wicked ways 
then God will bring judgment. I mean, there's a lot of material about judgment in Isaiah. But, uh, but constantly what, what Isaiah is working with as this um, beautiful prophet is that God's going to bring judgment, and yet there's always hope. There's judgment, but the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. It's this idea that there's always hope, always hope, and the Messiah especially brings hope through forgiveness. The message of Isaiah is one of joyful salvation, even in the midst of the rubble that, I, that, it, uh, that Judah was creating because of their paganism. I mean, what they were doing that we will look at um, through the coming weeks is incomprehensible. But you know what? Me too. Me too. Me too. I you to turn over to Isaiah 35. <clears throat> and this is, this is the hope that Isaiah offers. Isaiah 35, he says this, verse 8 through 10, there will be a highway called the holy road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It's for God's people exclusively, impossible to get lost on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. No lions on the road. No dangerous wild animals, nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on the road. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion, unfading halos of joy encircling their heads. Welcome home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. Welcome home place of joy. God brings that. He promises that. Jump over to Isaiah 51. <coughs> Isaiah 51. Verses 9 through 11. Wake up. Wake up. Flex your muscles, God. Wake up as in the old days, in the long ago. Didn't you once make mincemeat of Rahab, dispatch the old chaos dragon? And didn't you once dry up the sea, the powerful waters of the deep, and then made the bottom of the ocean's road for the redeemed to walk across? In the same way, God's ransom will come back, come back to Zion, cheering, shouting, joy eternal, wreathing their heads exuberant ecstasies transporting them and not a sign of moans or groans. Restoration of joy. Thank you, God. Guys, everybody in this room is being challenged right now. Everybody needs restoration 
renovation, rebuilding, fresh paint job. Um, and that's possible. But it's like, what do you want? Do you want just your way? Or do you want to be connected to God that can restore you? But if you chase that which you want, it actually becomes your God and you will die in misery, chasing your desire apart from God. God works through our desires. That which you want to be restored can be an honor uh, to him, a statement of sacrifice and worship to him, but he will not share his glory. And that's what he's saying to the people of Judah. You have, you have given yourselves to pagan gods. I mean, they were in being controlled by pagan powers, Assyria, Babylon, in the same way that we can be controlled by our addictions, our shame, our anger, um, all of the things that we struggle with every day. So Isaiah gives us that hope. And then here's, here's what we're looking for in terms of this present day living. So there, there's our model. And this restoration that God promises involves our emotional and spiritual maturity. God will put us through circumstances, take us through drama, take us through all kinds of circumstances and relationships in order to grow us. I mean, he could obviously zap us, make us mature, and that's what some people think salvation is. Yeah, I came to Jesus and everything's good. No. Uh, when you come to Jesus, now you're on a road. And the road toward maturity, growing up, is important. I want to throw these things out to you, and then we'll come back and tease them out. But there's four big ideas uh, in terms of this um, um, maturity journey. First of all, I believe that you've got to deal with feelings and emotions. Um, and that's a little counseling uh, bias, uh, of course, but I think scripture is full of that uh, in terms of David and uh, in, um, the Psalms. And it's like, you do more of what you do because of the way you feel than the way you think, but you don't think that. I guarantee Madison Avenue believes that, don't they? Madison Avenue will flash something on the screen and they'll offer to uh, give it to you for $19.95. But if you order in the next 15 minutes, they'll throw in another one. They'll give you two of them. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's right. Just pay separate shipping and handling. So, so emotions are important. And then... And then secondly, is this idea of just how human life works. Um, I, would, I would just call this the, the uh, principle of, of 
of dignity. Guys, where is our culture with human dignity? Oh my goodness. I mean, human life is being devalued every minute. So somehow we've got to reclaim our dignity. Mutual respect. You, you don't talk to people like that. You don't, you don't get to say anything you want. I believe that we ought to be able to commute anything we want, but how we say it some, is just as important as what you say. Just because you feel that, you, you don't get to say that in the way you said it. That's not cool. And then, and then, and then thirdly, where, where is this idea of Christ-likeness? Um, I mean, truly. I mean, I'd, I've never really liked the WWJD thing. What would Jesus do? I mean, Jesus would turn water into wine. I ain't Jesus. But being Christ-like is different than what would Jesus do. It's like being Christ-like is being willing to suffer. How about that? Being willing to give when others are spitting in your face. Being willing to stand up for yourself. I mean, we did a whole series on Marine Jesus. Take the initiative. You know, don't roll over. But it's like, where's Christ-likeness? And then, and then finally, how about just this idea of outreach? You know, as Joe said earlier, we, we want to get over this pandemic thing in every way that we can, especially here. And we want guys to come back into the room. Um, we don't want to make this a holy huddle. I don't want to make my life a holy huddle. I believe, guys, because of what Scripture says, when I walk in, to a place, I believe the aroma of Jesus is right there. I believe when I walk into a room, people smell Jesus because that's what Scripture says. Um, and I and I want I want to tell them about that smell, all that smell. Now I want to show you a clip that to me captures the dynamic of what God's trying to say in Isaiah to us and about the need to follow this path toward restoration. And it's a scene out of um, Goodwill Hunting. Sean, played by Robin Williams, is the counselor. And, you know, Will um, is just an arrogant son of a gun when we first meet him. And Sean's trying to work with him and uh, Will has just completely insulted Sean. And Sean meets him in the park. And I want, you to, I want you to listen to what happens. And I would suggest to you, this is just like Isaiah talking to the Israelites. This is just like God speaking to you and me about our cold heartedness and lack of intimacy toward him. Watch this. So what's this? A taste his choice moment between guys? This is really nice. You gotta think the swans, is this like a fetish? It's something like maybe we need to devote some time to. I thought about what you said to me the other day about my painting. Huh. Instead of half the night thinking about it. 
Something occurred to me. I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep and haven't thought about you since. You know what occurred to me? No. You're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea of what you're talking about. Why, thank you. It's all right. You've never been out of Boston. If I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo. I know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. Seen that. If I ask you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus of your personal favorites. You may have even been laid a few times. But you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. Ask you about war, you'd probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watch him gasp his last breath, looking to you for help. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. But you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Who could rescue you from the depths of hell. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel. To have that love for her be there forever. Through anything. Through cancer. And you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up in a hospital room for two months, holding her hand because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss, because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you, I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared, shitless kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one denies that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me because you saw a painting of mine. You ripped my fucking life apart. You're an orphan, right? You think I'd know the first thing about how hard your life has been, how you feel, who you are, because I read Oliver Twist? Does that encapsulate you? Personally, I don't give a shit about all that, because you know what? I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some fucking book. Unless you want to talk about you, who you are. And I'm fascinated. I'm in. But you don't want to do that, do you, sport? 
You're terrified of what you might say. You move, Chief. Your move, Chief. Your move. I think what Sean is doing in that situation with Will is confronting Will's defense mechanism, is he not? It's a counseling session. <clears throat> I think it is what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah, all through Isaiah, all through Isaiah. You guys keep acting like you've got it all together. You're arrogant. You're worshiping pagans. Uh, you're trying to appeal uh, to powers that be Assyrians. I mean, the Jews even make an alliance with Assyria in Babylon. It's it's a crazy deal that, that I'll, I'll, I'll get into when we get into that. But it's like, no, whether it's Isaiah talking to the um, Jews or it's just simply God speaking to your heart is that he wants our vulnerability, our failures, and our fears as the tools in his hand to build something special. That's what this is about. And you've got to start with your emotional world. All healing is in the feeling because it's those feelings that hold the past lies, the agreements that you've made with the enemy that you've got to let go of. But your emotions won't let you shame anger, resentment, pride. Oh my goodness, the pride. And Sean Nell's will, you're just an arrogant, scared little boy. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? And when we don't get our way, we yell and scream angrily. It's all about us. And we lose our joy. We have no joy. So guys, in the coming weeks, we'll keep te teasing this out. <clears throat> but I, I would just invite you once again to understand that the, that the message of Isaiah is salvation. The Messiah is coming. And what Jesus, the Messiah, promises to do is to forgive us of our sin in order to restore us to what God intended us to be and prepare us to live eternally throughout all of eternity. That's the gospel, gentlemen. Let's embrace it in a fresh new way. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the hope that old things, tired, old, rusty, nasty things can be renovated, restored, and I pray you would do the work in each one of my brother's life and in my life um, today in these coming days to where we would truly be a reflection of your glory and that people truly would smell Jesus when we walk into a room. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.